Hey, and welcome to the Aloha Church Podcast. We believe that full life is found in Jesus. And after this message, if you have any questions, please engage with us over social media or connect with us on a Sunday morning. We so hope you enjoy this message. Last week, we introduced uh, our full our other full-time staff member, Jesse. So he's going to be a, a pastor here. It was wonderful for you guys to meet him. He was supposed to be doing hosting and closing today, but he went to Big Bear. And I was like, bruh, you're going to get stuck. And he's from the islands too. He's like, no, we're not. So this is Jesse's, I think, that's Jesse's car with some of his friends. I'm like, yeah, you're not going to make it to church on Sunday. I'm like, that's what you get. See, I don't even like the snow. How many guys just don't like snow? I'm, I'm just snow, cool. I take it. Scott, you like skiing? I'm like, I, I take your word for it. I'm not a snow person. I only have like one pair of shoes and slippers, and I don't even know what to wear in the snow. Anybody? Okay. Well, oh my goodness. I'm so grateful that we live in San Diego, and it, this is the coldest ever been, ever. And uh, we, like Trish said, we... We are, more about, we are more about the connecting. We want to see people connecting and having um, relationships. We learn about our brains, how our brains work. One way is through just information, left brain, but we want to be full brain people, right? So we want to process all the information that we learn through hearing the word, through reading our podcasts in relationships. We grow better relationships. So we try to make our church smaller by having community and friends. And one way to do that is through staying a while. Afterwards, today, talk story. Get to know people. Put yourself out there. Know people, and then you just become familiar faces. And I know there's a thing here when you say, like, hey, what's your name? I say that a lot of people. Hey, what's your name? And you tell me your name, and then probably, I'll probably forget it, which is okay. And I don't want to, and you feel kind of weird in asking someone their name again. So then usually you ask them their name a couple of times and you feel weird and you, what do you do? You just avoid them, right? You're like, oh, or you're like, what's up? How's it? What's up, brother? You know, how you doing? What's up, girl? Hey, brother. Here's what you could do. Really easy. Just say, could you remind me of your name again? Could you remind me of your name? Or say, hey, Drew. And then you say your name. Is that cool? That's good, right? Then it kind of defeats the awkwardness if we're trying to get to know each other. Does that make sense? That's a little sermon before the sermon. I just want to put that out there. It's like really tough because I don't want to do name tags. That's kind of lame, right? Hello, my name is, ah, I kind of see. <laughs> That's kind of tough. But anyways, uh, we, one, thing, one thing that we, we try to do well here is uh, we're supposed to call to make disciples, but we want to see people discipled into relationships more than just discipling you typically into doing tasks. Make sense? Instead of just signing you up to do some stuff, we want to disciple you into relationships. Because out of relationships, we can experience the power and presence of God in community as church is a family, right? Church is not a building we go to. Church is people we connect to. Amen? Amen? So I'm really jazzed on that. That's something that we are, are, are moving towards. We always want to put that out there. It's in our DNA. It's in our vision. And we are um, starting, you can be praying for this. You can be looking forward to this. We're starting a, a, like a discipleship pathway for you to grow in, so you to kind of connect the dots of how do I become, retrain my brain, and reimagine what church is in the Bible from come and see 
to going and being the church, right? Discipling people as you are going in your life, trying to connect the dots. So be looking for the, like a life class, full life, L-I-F-E, loving relationships, identity in Christ, filled with faith, engaging the world. And we're going to start like a once a month lunch. Like we're, all, we're already staying a while, but if you're new here and you kind of want to get to know a little bit about a little deeper who we are, if we have a plan for you, like a, the pathway for your life, come to this lunch, 15 minutes, and then we're going to try to move to have maybe two nights at, um, we're right up at Torrey Pines Church, like my best friend's church. We have all our stuff there. Like two different nights of a little, maybe two hour classes and ex- expressions of learning a little bit more about kind of the distinct, unique values and mission of Aloha. Does that make sense? And then all that would be into um, many churches as well. So all those things to help equip you and disciple you. Does that make sense? That, is that good? Man, that's good. Okay, good. Um, this week, this last piece, last Thursday, was it Thursday, Mike? We, Mike, me, and Joey, a couple of the boys, we invited all of our mini church guys to go watch the Jesus Revolution. You guys seen that yet? Jesus Revolution? Yeah, I was like, I was, all these guys were excited about it, and like I was, and then there's only me and Mike and, uh, and Joey, and then some, a demon-possessed guy, he's just like cussing at us, I was like, this is kind of crazy, right? I was like, about to buck my, my white belt jujitsu skills out, I don't have any. Um, but that was really cool, the Jesus Revolution is an incredible, right, story, really of the, kind of the Calvary Chapel movement, Chuck Smith, Greg Laurie, all the hippies is right here in, in uh, starting Newport Beach, but great movie to go and watch, and Someone told me the guy in the movie was the same character that played in The Chosen. What's his name? Jonathan what? Jonathan Romy? I think I have a picture of the, of the movie. The movie poster, you got that? I got a lot of pictures today. There he is. So that's them baptizing in uh, Pirate's Cove in Newport Beach. And then I think this is the actor that played, that actor played The Chosen guy. This is the picture of The Chosen. That's the great, right, The Chosen series. So your image this is what I'm getting at. Your mind might see, when I think of Jesus, right, the title is face-to-face with Jesus. I'm wondering if when we pray to Jesus or think about Jesus, we think of Jonathan Romy. Maybe? I don't know. It's like he's been all over the Chosen series, and we're praying. We're thinking about Jesus. Easter's coming up. And like, what does Jesus look like? We might think of that guy. But if you're a little older and remember the Passion movie, Jesus looked like who? Jim Caviezel, right? That guy. He's a good-looking dude. Right? I met him and one time. In a, I was like, wow. He was very in character. I was like, this is so weird. It was, so my mind was thinking of Jesus. When I see Jesus in my mind, in my face, I think of like Jim Caviezel, right? Or maybe you grew up like I did in, in the Catholic Church. In the Catholic Church, my image of Jesus was this. Jesus on the cross. I was like, okay, that's a little freaky to me. As a little kid, you're walking like, ah, how's that guy going to help me? And when I prayed as a kid, I thought of Jesus just hanging on a cross. If you're in our children's ministry or in our grom's ministry, your image of Jesus might be this guy right here. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app? It's amazing. You can touch and he talks and like, rrr, 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 rrr. it's really cool for your kids. Parents, get the Bible app. You can lay there with the phone and just the kids touch it and it tells a story and you can kind of go to sleep. And it, it's amazing. Why do I mention all these images of Jesus as, as Easter's coming up? Is because 
our perception of Jesus determines how much we trust Jesus. Our perception of Jesus in our mind determines how much we trust Jesus. If you have your notes face-to-face with Jesus, as we're going to kind of do more of a, oh man, as, as I've been thinking of my life this, this year, and I've, I've really grown in a, like an understanding and I'm kind of elevating who Jesus is in my life as I've had to trust him more and more, right? With my four kids, in finances, in life, in health, and just in what's going on in the world, I, I really want to know Jesus more. And my prayer is that you're here because you want to know Jesus more. Amen? And we pray that you would experience the power and presence of Jesus, that you would have an elevated understanding or perception of Jesus so that when you leave here, you're encouraged to trust Jesus more. That is my prayer. And it wouldn't be cartoon Jesus. It wouldn't be Jesus hanging on a cross or image of Jim Caviezel. But I'm gonna, we're going to walk through that today. But let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to penetrate our hearts because the Holy Spirit's going to illuminate us, right? He is the teacher. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. So, Father in heaven, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to us and giving us your Holy Spirit. We ask that you be in this place. Holy Spirit, reveal in our hearts, illuminate Scripture to us. Maybe we've read the Scripture before. But I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd penetrate the hard parts of our hearts, heal people who have been disillusioned, who, have, who maybe have a hard time trusting Jesus. Lord, most people don't have a biblical image of Jesus. And most people, like me, tr- struggle to trust Jesus in every area of our lives. And Lord, only you supernaturally can help us take risks and steps of faith and surrender our lives to you as we trust you. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. Amen. So, a lot of people, oh, let's do this. Yeah. How about we do this? Close your eyes. Okay, I don't want to be too weird. Close your eyes. You don't have to if you don't want to, but close your eyes and just think in your mind's eye right now, what does Jesus look like? I could have already shown you the <laughs> here, up here, here on the screen, but think like, what did Jesus look like in your mind? What kind of clothes do you think Jesus is wearing right now? What is he dressed like? <clears throat> what is his hair color like in your mind? How about his eyes? What did his eyes look like? What's his skin color look like? If Jesus speaks to you or, or you want to hear from Jesus, what does Jesus sound like? Is he just silent? Does he have a, a, a high voice, uh, an accent? What does he sound like? What about Jesus' face when he looks at you? Is he smiling at you? Is he staring at you with, like, disappointment? Is he pleased with you? Does he look like Jim Caviezel, a cartoon character? Is he hanging on a cross? Or maybe you have no idea what Jesus looks like. 
So the challenge today as we go through Scripture is to really have a, a beautiful understanding, a powerful image of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So most of us would think, we read the Gospels, we think, oh, there's a lot of people that saw Jesus. You can open your eyes now. <laughs> a lot, stop, don't go sleep. We, a lot of people saw Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus was seen by lots of people. And that's usually what we, the image of Jesus we see, sort of like the chosen we have this image because we've seen television shows or we read the Gospels and we're picturing it in our brain. I love to put myself in the Bible story and just think like, this is a real story. What happened when Jesus was walking and the woman's like, if I could just touch Jesus and she touched his clothes, like, who touched me? And the disciples are like, uh, a lot of people touch you, Jesus, right? I just try to put myself in these stories. And then we know that after Jesus rose from the dead, after Easter, Jesus was on earth for 40 years, and he was seen by over 500 people. Jesus ate with people, and he looked a little bit different because the disciples didn't recognize him. And Jesus breathed the Spirit of God in him, and he asked, hey, I'm hungry. Let's go eat. And then they believed, so he looked a little bit different. A lot of people saw Jesus. But two people in the Bible saw Jesus in his glorified self. What that means is they saw Jesus, a vision of Jesus, as Jesus is in heaven, glorified. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the fathers, King of kings, Lord of lords, and he's up there. This is what Jesus is like today, which would be something we would have to get to. And when we see Jesus, it's not that Jesus in the gospel is walking around. It's Jesus, glorified King of kings, in heaven. Paul well, when he was Saul on the road to Damascus, Saul became Paul. It says this in Acts. Acts 22. At about noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light, say bright light, a bright light from heaven flashed around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go to Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand to Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. So what do we know of Paul's experience of the glorified Jesus? A bright light, so bright that it knocked Paul. Paul's kind of, a, kind of like the Navy SEAL of guys, right? He's kind of a bad dude. He's awesome, bad in a good way. It knocked Paul off his horse in a bright light, blinding him. And he heard Jesus' voice so very clearly. So I want you to hold that image of Jesus, a bright light, so powerful, knocked him off his horse and blinded Paul. Another guy had an image of Jesus, or vision of Jesus, and that's John, and has exiled to the island, right? Is exiled later in his, um, after the Gospels, in the book of Revelation. I don't teach on Revelation too much. I'm like, oh man, that's like for the really, really smart pastors, right? Like Revelation, wow, it's like just the older guys, but we're going to dip our toe into Revelation. Is that cool? Say, so if you read this book, you will be blessed. So Revelation, John had this image of Jesus, a vision of Jesus. Revelation 1, up here on the screen, says this, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like 
a son of man. He was dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet with a gold sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, had, he held seven stars. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. <laughs> then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. Amen? That's beautiful. Right? So really quick, just 10 seconds, close your eyes again. And we're going to go through this. Just imagine this vision that John had of Jesus. And I just read it and we'll go over it. But what do you see Jesus now? Right? We want to per change our perception of Jesus. Because some of us need a fresh vision of Jesus. We need a fresh vision of Jesus when we come to him. We can trust him. We can surrender to him. As we have a biblical vision of Jesus, of who he is now. So let's look at this. Verse uh, 1, verse 13, he dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. Jesus is dressed like a king, not a carpenter anymore. Amen? He's dressed like a king. He's Lord of lords, king of kings, maker of heaven and earth with a white robe from here down to the ground with a gold sash around him. Not the humble carpenter like we may read in the Gospels. He's changed. He's been transformed. He's been glorified. And he's in heaven sitting at the right hand of the Father. Wow. Jesus is alive. Death couldn't hold him down. Jesus is alive. Our king defeated death. He's alive. Many people searching for Jesus, searching for God, and they worship people who are already dead. Are you kidding me? Jesus is alive. My God is alive. He defeated death. And he's a king, most powerful king. Every knee will bow, right? Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He's king. That's beautiful. And we live with an urgent expectation that King Jesus is coming back for us. He's coming back for his bride because he's king. 114, the hair on his head is white like wool, as white as snow. It's snowing all around San Diego. I haven't been there, but I take work. For, I've been there. I went to the snow one time. I was 22 years old. I went to college in LA. I was like, you're going to go snowboard? Yeah, I'm going snow. I took my board shorts. I'm like, my slippers. I was like, let's do this. I got this snow, and it was so blinding, whiter than I ever thought. That the first thing I noticed, was like, this is so bright. It's so blinding. And I got like a little, like, snow burnt tan. It was weird. It was cool. Yeah, if you didn't notice how white blinding the snow is, that's Jesus' hair is so blinding white as wool and blinding whiter than snow. This symbolizes he is pure and holy and righteous. It's the idea of Jesus' purity and righteousness that he gives to us as a gift. Jesus imparts his righteousness 
onto us who trust in him. It's not our righteousness. It's Jesus' righteousness. And Jesus sees us as righteous. We don't see us as righteous, but Jesus gives us his righteousness. And he declares us righteous. As if we're already in heaven, he sees us. He's out of time. And his eyes are blazing like fire. Fire blazing eyes. I don't know if I have a really good image, but I have one here. I kind of, that, that's not the group, but imagine it's kind of a lame image, right? I kind of screenshotted that. Getty images, I don't know. They might sue me. I don't know, whatever. Imagine him looking at you with these blazing fire eyes. In Song of Solomon 8 6, it says, Love is as strong as death, it burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Hmm. Then it says in 2 Corinthians, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When God looks at you, these fire in his eyes, it's, it's a love that consumes you. His eyes look at you and his love consumes all your faults, all your failures, all your insecurities. It's not how you see yourself. Maybe not how your spouse sees you. <laughs> but Trish has looked at me with some fire eyes before. I'm just saying. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Jesus has fire in his eyes, blazing, looking at you. It's going right through your body. It consumes our soul. When we're looking at Jesus face to face, imagine his fire in his eyes looking at you. Better than Jim Caviezel's blue eye. That's a, that's a good looking dude, I'm saying, right? But he's looking at you, fire in his eyes. That's beautiful, huh? Elevate our image of Jesus looking at us, burning away fears and doubts and insecurities and failures. He doesn't see those, those things. Verse 15, his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. I think I might have an image of, like, imagine Jesus' skin just glowing bronze. Not like us guys, and we're like, hey, babe, I'm going to the beach. I'm going to come back with a golden bronze tan, you know, right? Just look at bronze skin, babe. No, 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 no. Jesus' skin was glowing, molten metal. So powerful is Jesus' touch that when he touched people, they were healed. Because if I could only touch Jesus, I'll be healed. And in heaven, we'd be around Jesus. There's no more sin, no more brokenness, no more right, infirmities. Beautiful. No cancer, no nothing, no disease. Beautiful Jesus, just glowing, warm, bronze skin. And his voice was like the sound of a rushing waterfall. Some of you appreciate How many guys have been around some waterfalls? Yeah, I don't know. There's some waterfalls. Here's a beautiful waterfall right here. I think some of you might recognize this waterfall. Where is that waterfall? It's Wailua Falls in Kauai. Or if you're like Sarah, Kauai. She's really from there. I'm from Kauai, Uncle Drew. Oh, sorry. Like Kauai? Yeah. My little falls, beautiful. If you've been there, it's just, I can't even make the sounds with my voice. It's just so powerful when you're out around waterfalls with that much 
gallons of water coming in and the, the mist coming up. It like, it trembles. It's like thunder in your bones. And you can't even hear anything. Or you may have gone to this waterfall. Where's that? Niagara Falls, right? I didn't even know where Niagara Falls was. I was like, where's Niagara Falls? It's the border of Canada and the United States. I was like, cool, now I know. Not good on geometry. <laughs> Thanks, Dean. If you're around a waterfall, you can't even, it's hard to talk, right? Because Jesus' voice, he wants his voice to be the loudest thing in your life. Does Jesus' voice pierce your body and pierce your soul? Is Jesus' voice the loudest voice in your life? If it's not, there's other voices in your life. One might be the enemy. Steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy's always lying to you, speaking to you, telling you you did a bad job, you should do this, and then you do it. See, you shouldn't have done that. He's the accuser, the father of lies. He's always whispering in your ear. And it's a loud voice. Maybe it's not the voice of the enemy. It's the voice of someone in your past that said you can't do this or they labeled you or you just, or your own voice. We have self-limitations on our own self or the voice of somebody you're listening to, the voice of somebody you're still auditioning for their approval. When's the last time you got alone with Jesus to hear his voice? How do I hear God's voice? Good question. You know how God most clearly and accurately speaks to us? In his Bible. Yeah, in his Bible. It's God's love letter. It's his voice is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, right? Piercing bone and marrow, cutting to your heart. I know a lot of people are watching the revivals, right? All these revivals. I think that Asbury one ended today, but a lot of kids and a lot of people out there just being in this presence of God, hearing God's voice, want to hear God's voice. That is good. That is amazing to be in a worship environment like that. But God does speak to us like that. He does speak to us through people and circumstances, but God most clearly and most accurately speaks to us in his word, the Bible, We're always challenging to you. Read the Bible. Scientifically, you read it four times. It exponentially will change your life. It's like once, that's okay. Two, three, but it starts to really ramp up. Hit that four times. It goes through you. It changes you. you. We have a Bible app. We started kind of a a new one uh, on the... On the QR code, that's what that's called. You go on there. There's a link. It's the Bible. It's the Bible reading app on you version. Um, a lot of church. We're going through it in a year now. We should do like little two week plans, one one week plans. You can read it and comment on it. But we decided let's just go through the Bible in a year. And what's really cool about this new plan is a plug. Thanks, Allie, for getting this. It has little videos. Bible, by the Bible Project, amazing videos that show you, like, it gives you the kind of the overarching story and principle of the book of where it's at, and it kind of links people. It's very visual. I love that, right? I like, I love that. I watch, right? I love watching, I watch the book, okay? It's easy. And then it gives you some uh, little segments of the Bible, and then asks you to talk about it. Get on the plan. If you don't have a plan, you're not going to stick to it. Join our Bible plan. Or if you're like, that's too much phone time, that's fine. You can read the old school Bible. You open it up. I need a font that's big because my eyes, I can't see it. So, Read the Bible. God speaks to you. Piercing word. 
Is this good stuff? Okay, hey, elevate your a fresh vision of Jesus. Because then we worship at the end of today, right? We're going to, some of us will close our eyes and raise our hands, surrendering everything we have to Jesus. That's why we do that. We close our eyes, we surrender, we're seeing Jesus, he's looking at us. And the more we have a biblical understanding of Jesus and the Bible and of God, we will find we're trusting him more with our lives. We're letting him to all the rooms of our house. Okay? All the areas of our life. Look, Lord, this is all yours. I trust you so much. Because you're not hanging on a cross. You're alive. Amen? Okay, verse 16. In his right hand, he held seven stars. Wow. He must have a huge hand to hold seven stars. This is an image. He wasn't just holding like seven like uh, glowy bouncy balls, right? He's holding seven stars. I'm not as, know about much science, but I know stars are pretty big. They're burning balls of light. I learned that on Lion King from, right? Remember him? Stars? No? Have kids. Hakuna Matata. <laughs> stars! He's holding stars in his hand. What does that mean? Jesus is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Right? He's omniscient, all-knowing, and all the other omnis. And sovereign. Amen? He's all-powerful. Power, he's the creator. God created He's the first creator. He made it, he made the big bang. He banged it at everything. Okay? Like he is the first, the beginning, and he's outside of time. God is outside of time. He's outside of the universe that keeps expanding. Remember how big it is. God is, he's there before. And in Colossians, we read everything was created for Jesus. By Jesus, through Jesus. Jesus has reconciled all the cosmos in himself. And everything has life because of Jesus. And we learn about this in the kingdom of God is everywhere. Even those who deny Jesus are alive because of Jesus. They just haven't realized it. Those people are forgiven. They just haven't realized it. It's beautiful. That's the perception of Jesus we want you to have. Not a cartoon character that lived a long time ago and that can't help you out today. Because I struggle with that too. I'm like, how's that guy going to help me? I don't know. Just how's Jim Caviezel going to help me? And I met him. Didn't get his autograph, just was like, hi. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. Because the words of Jesus pierce our hearts. Amen? Back to that. Talks about the word a lot. His voice pierces you. A double-edged sword coming out of your mouth. I don't know if I have a picture of that. We have any more pictures? I was just trying to copy and paste some pictures. Fire, sword, double sword, just to give you an image. Some of you are like images like me. I want to see this picture, right? And his face was shining, and his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Anybody try to look at the sun? When you're a kid, you look at the sun, right? Maybe you look at the sun, and then you blink, and it has this, like, red dot for a long time. You just, like, you just, right? Staring at the sun, it's blinding. When Jesus looks at you, his face is shining on you. He's not growling or disappointed. He loves you. He's shining on your, his face. I love that face. 
That's why aloha does mean face-to-face, -face, face and breath. Because we want to look at each other in the face. It's how we grow. When you look at someone in the face, it produces joy in your brain. It's like the neuro, everybody's into like the brain science, but when you see someone, it's like, hey, happy to see you. How you doing? That produces joy. Your brain is fueled by joy. Your brain needs joy. The first thing a new believer should learn is joy in the presence of people in community. Hey, what's, how you doing? Jesus is looking at you with joy. Some of us think Jesus is disappointed in us. And we're ashamed to see Jesus. We're ashamed to close our eyes and think of Jesus looking at us because we see a disappointed father. Maybe your father was, that's all he saw in your life. He was disappointed in your life. Or someone, a father figure or a spiritual figure, was disappointed in your life. That is not the Jesus of the Bible. He's good news. He's always encouraging. He's always loving. He doesn't see those faults. He sees you as perfect and righteous. And he smiles at you. And this is why we raise our hands. Jesus is pleased with you. And we need a fresh vision of Jesus today. With all the stuff going on in our life, the darkness, and we see, maybe you're like, you see the, all the kids worshiping Jesus. You're like, man, that can never happen for me. That's for somebody else. No, it's for us. Jesus is right here, the same Jesus, the same, the same God that's in these places and people are worshiping out in other countries and colleges. He's here. The same Jesus is looking at you and he wants a personal relationship with you. Some people read the Bible as an encyclopedia of facts. Some people read the Bible as a historical book. Some people read the Bible so they can have all the right answers. But when we read our Bible, we want to know Jesus. When you read your Bible, I challenge you, get to know Jesus and have an image of him that is loving and is not a cartoon character. You might, I have, I struggled with seeing Jesus like this. I grew up in church and I felt like everybody was always disappointed in me, right? I'm like, oh, I'm always in trouble. I got kicked out of Bible college twice. I've always felt like, oh man, they're like, I'm just, they're just I'm not worthy. That stuff's for somebody else, uh, not for me. I always felt like I was a disappointment to Jesus. He, like, he was like, nope, right? Uh, can, I get a, can I get like a D, please? 2.0, Jesus, can I still play on a, can I still play on a team, <laughs> right? And as I just thought about Jesus, like as I get older and I saw like, man, I'm, I, I can't, I have to surrender kids, family, church, all this stuff to Jesus, and I want a fresh vision of Jesus. And as I close my eyes and I read the Word and I get to know Jesus more, it's helped me surrender more of my life to Jesus and walk in some dark times and some risky times and step out in faith. It's, if, right, if I had it all there, all the plans are there, all the stuff was there, it wouldn't be faith. The Bible says the only way to please God is by faith. Oh, man. And you have to have a fresh biblical understanding of who Jesus is to walk in faith and to surrender your life and to have joy in your life. Christians should be the most joyful people on the planet. I don't know if that's the case of some Christians. Like, you are a believer, right? Jesus was the most joyful person on the planet. 
People think that. He wasn't like, oh, I got to go to cross all these dumb disciples, these idiots. I'm just like, come on. <laughs> when I read it, I'm like, how come Jesus wasn't just, ah, you guys, forget it. No, he was so joyful. <laughs> Worship team, you guys want to come up here? Speaking of joy, oh my goodness. As we go in this time of worship, you can close your eyes. You don't have to sing the songs, but try to imagine Jesus looking at you with so much love. I pray this would transform your relationship with him. It'd be personal and intimate. That's why some of us, we, we cry in worship, tears. It's like Jesus loves us so much. We're overwhelmed with the presence of God. We're overwhelmed with the power of God and the spirit of the Lord moving in us. It's beautiful. And we worship, we surrender. Some people, they, they go on their knees, you know? Like that's because it's so overwhelming with his presence. That's what we pray that you would experience. Not just come and listen and then eat some chili and rice. And, then, and if we're not experiencing God, I don't know what we're doing. If we don't help people find Jesus, follow Jesus, be in love with Jesus, we're just having a, a picnic and doing religious things. If God removes his spirit from this place, it would stop being a church. Church is people experiencing God together and being messy and broken. Like Kobe, you shared that at the prayer meeting, right? A lot of places broken and messy and religious. It's just we're here together experiencing God because God looks at you beautifully. And our challenge is when we see other people around us in the church, we could be messy and broken. It takes faith. It takes risk. Risk relationally with people. See people as God sees them. Some of us have a hard time seeing our friends and family and people in our community as God sees them. It's going to help your frustration in life when you can see your friends and family as God sees them. You'll extend forgiveness. You'll be less offended. You'll even pray for them. You'll love them. You may even have like a word for them. It's encouraging. It's beautiful. So as we invite you to stand up, and the worship team goes, let's just kind of, I'll say, just saturate our brains and hearts with Jesus. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for loving us. God, I thank you for speaking through us. I pray that people here would have a beautiful image and relationship with the Jesus of the Bible. Not the Jesus of Hollywood. <laughs> or what maybe we've heard reveal yourself to us face to face we come to your presence amen you've been listening to the aloha church podcast if you want to learn more about living free in jesus please reach out to us we hope god spoke something wonderful and life-giving to you today until next time lots of love and aloha